so much for your prayers. There we go. Now I can hear it. And uh, we really appreciate it. We've been in a city of a one million for about 23 years, and we're leaving it. So imagine you 23 years in a ministry, and you leave it. And so there's a lot of tears, and still will be more tears. And, uh, but we're thrilled for what God has done and what he's going to do in the future. So thank you for your prayers. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 136. We are to be a grateful people, aren't we? There's a lot to be thankful for. Let me share about Anna, a lady who felt like she had nothing to be grateful for. You have to understand, about six years ago, Anna's two boys that were in college were riding in a car and suffered a crash, and they both died. So Anna got the report that her two boys have died. As she got that report, she found out that her husband left her. In her words, she said, God hates me. That's what she thought. For six years, she couldn't celebrate anything. She didn't want to know about Christmas, didn't want to know about anything, about family-wise, any events. It just brought too much pain to her. She went to the world to try to resolve her problems in psychology. They gave her medicine, but didn't give her any hope. Then she came upon our church. And within our church, she started learning about God. And she realized that everything that had passed in her life, that God was using it to draw her to him. And for the first time last year, she celebrated Christmas with great joy and great gratefulness. What was the difference in her life? She still had lost a husband, still had lost two children. The difference was that she had learned that the most important thing in life is God. And so as we turn to Psalm 136, we learn this, that we are to give thanks to God for God. <laughs> That's profound, isn't it? We are to give thanks to God for God. So you may be sitting here too and thinking, what do I have to give thanks for? I don't have the talent. I don't have the intellectual abilities. I don't, I don't get the scholarship. I don't get the monies. I don't get this. I don't get that. I don't get that. I get that. But if you have God, you have everything. The psalmist in Psalm 73 said, what do I have in heaven but thee? What more do I want on earth? Jeremiah said it like this, let not the rich man boast in his riches, let not the the strong man boasts in his strength, not the wise man boasts in his wisdom, but let him boast, boast in what? That he knows the, the Lord. There's an expression in Brazil that says like this, who has God has everything. Tem Deus, tem tudo. Doesn't that sound better in Portuguese? <laughs> so as we turn to the Psalm 136, I am overwhelmed with the, with the requirement and the reasons to thank God. And that's what we'll see. The first point this morning is this. The requirement of giving thanks to God. The requirement of giving thanks to God. I have to say this. Uh, we give thanks to God of the universe. It reminds me of our good friend David Washington. I don't know if you knew him. Some of you did. David Washington has gone to be with the Lord. And he, uh, he told me that when he was at church in Jacksonville, Florida, the pastor used to say, Who does the atheist thank? And I thought, that's really good. What does that atheist do? Man, that was wonderful. Praise me. Doesn't that seem so empty? Praise chance. What a chance. <laughs> but we have the privilege and honor and joy of saying, praise God. Thank you, God. And so why? Here we see the, the requirement of giving thanks is found all over 
this psalm. Psalm 136 starts off in verse 1 and says this. Give thanks to the Lord. Look at verse 2. Give thanks to the God of gods. Verse 3. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Verse 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Do you think the psalmist wants us to give thanks? He does. And he requires it. It's a demand. It's like us telling our children, hey, what do you say? Oh, thank you. It's almost like the psalmist is saying to the body of Israel, saying, Israel, don't forget what we need to do. Give thanks. Hey, the psalms are wonderful, aren't they? Aren't you glad that I'm not singing it to you? But they are to be sung, and they were sung at festival times. This song was sung during, a, uh, there were like seven festivals in Israel, three times of the year. And when they gathered together, they would sing this song in remembrance to give thanks to God. It's kind of like at Christmas time. Don't we sing certain songs just at Christmas? Not this morning. I sang Silent Night in the car on the way over. But, you know, there's some exceptions, you know. But we do. We sing Christmas songs at Christmas time. And this is a song that the Israel, Israelites would sing at their festivals. And you'll see why as we unfold the text. But the requirement is clear. He says to give thanks. First Thessalonians 5.18 tells us also in the New Testament to what? In everything give thanks. Wow, very good. And everything give thanks. Why did Paul have to say that and everything? You know? I wish he'd let us complain a little bit. But he doesn't because there's nothing to complain about when we think about God. When I think about my circumstances, I got a lot to complain about, don't I? But if I stay in the reality of the truth of, of the metaphysics of our world, it is God and God is here and he's with us and he loves us and cares for us and what more do I have to worry about? Isn't that true? The requirement of giving thanks is a command to give thanks. But probably you're sitting there and saying, yeah, you can tell your kids give thanks, but they really don't have a heart of giving thanks. Very good. Because giving thanks is not only a requirement to give to God as a command, but it's also a condition of the heart. The psalmist is not telling us to come and join in with Israel and say to God, thank you, and walk around with a sappy attitude. No, the psalmist definitely wants us to have a heart of gratitude and he's going to pull our attention to God and show how, how can you walk away and not be grateful for the Lord God. As I look in the New Testament and just real quickly, we can look uh, together, look at what the New Testament says about thankfulness. Go real quick to Ephesians 5. Keep one finger in Psalm 136. We're going to come back there. Are you grateful this morning? Are you the kind of Christian that always complains and nobody wants to be around you? Mercy. Hopefully you're not like that. Look at Ephesians, what Ephesians says. Ephesians 5, 18 is that great passage of telling us to be controlled by the Spirit of God. And he says it in this way in Ephesians 5, 18. Do not get drunk with wine for this is a dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit. And when you're controlled by the Spirit, Christian, what will you do? You'll speak to one another in psalms and hymns. Oh, we're in the psalms, aren't we? Psalm 136. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord. Always what? Giving what? Is that you? Are you always giving thanks or are you complaining? Man, if, uh, if I have to be honest with you, I'm really good at complaining. I've got a gift. I can complain real easy. But it takes the Holy Spirit to fill me, control me, to be grateful. 
to be thankful in all things. Ephesians 5 tells us that as a Christian, if we're filled with the Spirit, we will be grateful. We'll have a condition of gratefulness about us. Colossians 3.16, turn there. In Colossians 3.16, he says what? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, seen with ungratefulness in your hearts to God. No, wait. I'm trying to use my glasses. Seen with what? Thankfulness in your hearts. So in other words, if I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm grateful. If I'm controlled by the Word of God, I'm grateful. What does that tell you? So if you get around a Christian that's always complaining, always talking bad, then you know he is not in the Spirit. And he's not being controlled by the the Word. Thankfulness is so serious to God. It is so important, the condition of the heart. Then in Romans, when he describes the condemnation of man, look what God says in Romans 1. Go to Romans. Fascinating little words there, uh, just a little phrase, and sometimes we skip over them. We don't even recognize but how powerful it is if we put it into the context of the, of the Word of God. Romans 1, 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse for even though they knew God. Watch this. They did not honor him as God, or what? Wow, what a phrase. Or give thanks. See, God condemns man because the condition of his heart is ungrateful. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's ungrateful. Jesus healed ten men, and one was a Samaritan, wasn't he? And he came back and he bowed down and said, thank you. And Jesus looked at him and said, didn't I heal 10? Was Jesus like you and me that are getting older and we walk up the steps and go, now what was I looking for? No. Jesus was trying to drive home a point. I healed 10. But only one who wasn't even a Jew came back, a pure Jew, to thank me. You know what I think of? I think of the church. I think sometimes some of the most ungrateful people are people in the church. Isn't that true? And I think God's going, huh. you know, I got this pagan over here in Connecticut. If you're from Connecticut, I just picked a state. I didn't think of Connecticut people, okay? And this pagan is thanking me. He doesn't even have my spirit. And over here in, we won't say Lawrence, uh, Olathe, <laughs> I have a church full of people ungrateful. Does that happen? If I have to admit, it happens with me sometimes too. God requires us that we give thanks. And he wants the condition of our heart to be grateful. What are reasons to be grateful for? And that's what the psalmist kicks in. He starts, let's go back to Psalm 136, and we see the reasons for giving thanks to God. This psalm, if you notice, you've already probably observed Psalm 136, is that psalm that maybe the Levitical choir uh, did the refrain, because you see it all the way through the whole 
whole uh, chapter where it says, for his loving kindness is everlasting. At least my translation says that. You know, in verse 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way, you can see saying a phrase, give thanks to the Lord, and then, for his loving kindness lasts forever. And some people think that maybe the Levitical choir sang that, and all the other people sang the other parts. However it was sung, I, don't, I do not know, but I do know this. Look at verse 1, what he says, the reasons for giving thanks. The first thing he says is, give thanks to the Lord, for he is what? He is good. So I look here and I see the first reason to give thanks to God is for God's character. For God's character. Psalm, the other psalm, other. I knew Portuguese would come out. Sorry about that. This is my first sermon in English in America, so some Portuguese will come out. I have, that's the first word I said in Portuguese, haven't it? Because the other time I was on, in the United States, I said a whole line, and my son said, Dad, you got to stop speaking Portuguese to the Americans. I said, I didn't speak any Portuguese. He said, yeah, you did. <laughs> so forgive me if it does come out. Just act like you understand me and smile. No. <laughs> Character of God. This other, uh, the, other, the other psalm, this Psalm 34, 8, says, Taste and see that the Lord is... It's good. God is good. Now think about that for a moment. Isn't that a great reason to be grateful? Imagine if God was just a little bit of malicious or a little bit of a deceiver. If there was a, just a spark of bad in God, would that change our whole life? Would that change our confidence? Would that change our worship? It would. God is good. There's no bad. There's no bad motive in him. There is, 1 John 1, 5 says it. And if we had Mike Pastor, or Pastor, soon to be Pastor, and Mike Dietzel, who was a Greek professor, he'd tell you that that's the most emphatic way to say there is no darkness in God. No, not one. There is not a trace of bad in God. Isn't that awesome? And I am so thankful for that because I want a God that is good. Now, there's times you may feel like God's not good, right? kind of like my kid. I say, you got to eat your broccoli. Man, dad is not good. Dad was good. He'd let me eat that chocolate bar. I said, no, no, you got to eat your broccoli. Later, as he gets older, I remember my grandma giving me spankings when I was a little boy. And she said, one day you're going to thank me. And I knew in my heart she was right. But I didn't want to say that she was right at the moment. And I deserved it. Later on, I said, God, that was so good that my grandma spanked me because I needed it. She was helped shaping my character. And so there may be times when you feel like God is giving you a bad rap. But you go back to who he is, don't you? And you go, no, no, no. There's no way that God gives me a bad rap. Because he is good. God is good. Taste and see that God is good. The first thing he says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. We see in his character that he is good. What did the rich young ruler do? He came up to Jesus said, good teacher. And Jesus wanted to direct him and say what? He said, good. Who is good? Only God is good. It wasn't that Jesus was saying he wasn't God. He was just saying, hey, little rich young ruler, you're not God. That's what he was saying. You're imperfect, and you're looking at the perfect one. And isn't that great? We have a God that is good. And so that should drive us to be grateful and thankful. Thank you, God, that you're so good. Yeah, life might be hard, might be difficult, but you're good. And yeah, we might suffer, and might have a pain, and might have difficulties, but you know, at the end of the day, we might only live 75 years, and after that, it is eternity with the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> is that good or what? I imagine all the suffering that we could suffer on this earth after a billion years in, Amer in America, <laughs> a billion years in heaven, we will not think that that was anything. Isn't that true? 
Because God is. He's good. Another reason to give thanks for the character of God, not only is he good, in Psalm 136, verse 1, he says, for his loving kindness. He says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and for his loving kindness. This word loving kindness we find in the psalm, Psalm 23, 6. Do you remember that psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And at the end, there it says, for goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's the same word there, loving kindness. Now think about that. I had a Brazilian just preach that the other day, and it just kind of hit me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, how many? All the days of my life. That is amazing. That is a reason to be grateful. That is a reason to thank and praise our God. This word's an interesting word because it has an idea to it of a covenant faithfulness as well. A covenant, it's like God made a pact with Israel, and in that pact it was unconditional, and he did it out of his love, out of his mercy. And as Israel would hear that, his loving kindness, they would say, wow, our God is faithful to do what he has promised. What has he promised Israel? He's promised a lot of things, hasn't he, to Israel? He says, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you. He says to Israel, I'll give you a land. He says to Israel, I'll give you a king who will reign on the throne of David. There's a lot to be thankful for, Israel had. But the thankfulness they had was because of the character of God, because of his loving kindness that is wrapped around his faithfulness. Think about it with me. Why are you saved today? It's because God Almighty is good, and he will always fulfill what he promises. He's powerful enough to do it. I hate that I'm not. And my kids do too. I say to my kids in Brazil, hey, we're going to the beach Friday. We hardly ever go to the beach. We live right by the beach. We hardly go. When you guys come, we go take you to the beach. And we're like, oh, well. And you guys probably think we go to the beach all the time, but we don't go to the beach. We only go to the beach when you come. And my kids get all excited. We're going to go to the beach Friday. And then all of a sudden, Friday, someone is in the hospital and needs my attention. So did I fulfill my promise? No. Why? Because I'm weak. You understand? No, don't nod your head so quickly. But God, if God says, I will take you to the beach on Friday, and everybody could be in the hospital today, guess what you're still doing? You're going to the beach on Friday because he has the power to do it all. See what I mean? Because he is a loving, kind God that has that faithfulness to his promises. And that is a reason to give thanks for his character, for he is good, for his loving kindness. And then I, I look and I see the verse 1. He says his loving kindness is what? everlasting and I go wow God is an everlasting God and that is a great reason to thank him I can't understand that can you comprehend that can you comprehend eternity I can't get my mind around that you know but I'm so glad that the just live by faith and that's what we have to do we're going to live forever isn't that wonderful I told the Brazilians I said our last service together and they were all obviously sad and uh, and we were sad as well and I told him, I said, hey, let me give you comfort like I give to my nine-year-old son, James. I come up to James and I say, James, daddy's going to die. Just get that in your head. It, I'm going to die. So I comforted him, right? No, not yet. I said, but don't worry, son. You're going to die too. <laughs> Did I comfort him yet? Not yet. I'm just giving reality. Because James says life is a, is a vapor, isn't it? And it's gone by. I'm 47 years old. I can't believe it. I'm like, oh, no, I'm only 22. <laughs> no, I'm 47. And I know when I blink my eye, I'm going to be 68, Lord willing. 
and it's just a vapor. And so I said to the body, the church body, I said, here's the beauty. It's all going to pass really quick, and then we're all going to be in eternity forever, always together, never having to say, see you later, i got to move to the other side of the universe. It's always together, the fellowship, sweet fellowship of heaven forever. And that is a reason to give thanks for a God that is everlasting. Reasons for giving thanks to God is for his character. He's a unique God in, in which we are to praise him and thank him for who he is. I also see in verses 4 through 9, he starts saying, let's give thanks to God, not just for his character, but for his creation. Verse 4, he says, to him who alone does great wonders... He's a unique God, exclusive. How he says it, to him alone. I do this with kids sometimes, and I'll do it with you. Put your hands out in front of you. I want everybody to do this. Put your hands out in front of you and say, apple. Go, apple. apple. Did you get an apple? Did you, anyone? No, because you can't do that. But see, God can say, light, boom, there's light. God could say trees, boom, there's trees. God could say whatever he wants to say, and out of nothing comes something. That doesn't make sense. Of course not, because we're small and he is large. That's why the psalmist says, give thanks to the Lord for what? Who alone does great wonders. And then he gets into it in verse 5, and he says, to him who made the heavens with what? With skill. What's your skill? What's your ability? You know what God's ability is? He can make the heavens. I was trying to study the heavens. I thought Scott would be here, and so he'd correct my creation stuff. So I've really studied hard, but since he's not here. But, so I checked out the heavens. What I understand is the atmosphere of the earth is 260 miles between the surface to, the, to whatever they consider not the atmosphere anymore. The, uh, if you took an Amtrak <laughs> up, it would take us three and a half hours to get out of our atmosphere. Pretty amazing stuff. And we really only live under the, like, uh, the 10% part of the atmosphere. That's the part that we live in. They call us like the lobsters. We live on the bottom, you know. But the amazing thing about it is the heavens could be considered all the way to the universe. And so check out what man has said so far about the universe. He doesn't really know much about the universe, but he acts like he does. Man says this that the universe is 93 billion light years. So what does that mean to us? Well, a light year is how much? So I looked it up. It's 6 trillion miles. <laughs> so, I, so we can't really get a grasp of that, can we? You know, have you ever thought about after the universe, what is there? There's a lot of skill there, isn't there? The heavens. We should praise God and thank God for his creation as heavens. And now to put it in practical terms. I think that Israelite did the same thing that you and I do. At nighttime, don't you look up and go, wow, that is beautiful. And especially if you're holding hands with that girl, right? Or that guy. You go, man, isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that's really beautiful. Isn't that amazing how the moon is more beautiful with the girl by your side? Obviously, the girl is your wife. Or your, but, man, it just... So they would go out and look and observe just as we would and say, praise him. Praise the Lord. Not only does he talk about the heavens, but he gets into details more, as in verse 6 says, to him who spread out the earth above the waters. 21% of the, of the surface of the earth is land. 
And then he says, the sun to rule by day. And verse 9, the moon and stars to rule by night. Let me ask you a question. Is the sun important to you? The sun was so important in ancient times that they always worshipped it, didn't they? Didn't they worship it? They knew the importance of the sun. Today, we know that one little spark of sun energy can light up one million cities for a year. That's how powerful the sun is. But the Israelites knew that the sun was needed for their agriculture. The sun is needed to, you probably haven't thought about this for a while, the sun is needed to dry your clothes, isn't it? See, in Brazil, a lot of people don't have dryers, and so we depend upon the sun to dry our clothes. And if it's rainy season, everybody kind of has a moldy smell. I just, how it is. It's hard to dry clothes without the sun. Isn't one of the states in the United States where the biggest suicide is, is where the sun doesn't appear? Isn't that what they always said? Is that Washington? Oh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? The sun. But when we see the sun, what should we do? The sun should drive us to thank God. Thank you, Lord, for the sun. Yesterday, the sun was dropping in the horizon and gave off incredible rays of light. And we just, and Barbara, our Brazilian friend, she's taking pictures. And then Juliana, my 13-year-old, she does this all the time. You know, not to embarrass you, Juliana, but, you know, a lot of pictures. And, uh, and we just, we're amazed with the sun. And what we ought to do when we see the sun and see God's creation is we ought to do what? Give praise to who? To God. So we have a reason to give thanks to God. We have a reason because of the character of God and the creation of God. And then the last and the bulk of this text is, is for the care of God. Because now the Israelites, they're going to reflect on how God cared for them. And we're going to try to fly through this real quick. I'm going to talk about his care in the past. Look at God's care in the past to Israel. Verse 10. To him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn. You say, oh, that's kind of gross. No, it was God's way of getting them freed from slavery. It was the only way to get them out of there. And it was God's condemnation on a country that had been receiving tons of light and rejected it. It was a way also for God to be manifested and show that he is the true God of the earth. Verse 11, and brought Israel out from their midst, verse 12, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. Not to forget, what brought you out wasn't the cleverness of Moses, wasn't that at all. It was God Almighty that did it. Verse 13, to him who divided the Red Sea asunder and made Israel pass through it, verse 14, through the midst of it. And 15, but he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea to him who led his people through the wilderness. In other words, God is reminding Israel of the past and how he brought them to the promised land and how he was faithful to them, how he is loving kindness is forever. He said to him who smote great kings and slew mighty kings, and then he's going to name a few, Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Basham. If you go back and you read about these kings, they, uh, the, this, these armies came up and frightened Israel, and God comforted and said, no, 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 they're in your hands. I'm going to hand them all over to you. In verse 21, gave their land as a heritage, and 22, even a heritage to Israel, his servant. What do I see here? I see the reason to give thanks is that God cares for us, and he cares for every aspect of our past. If you look back in your past, can't you see God's hand in your life? Don't you do that? 
Sometimes I do that. I, I get the privilege of doing that a lot as a missionary because as a missionary, I have to report. Not that I have to. I enjoy that. And as I report, matter of fact, Joshua, my oldest son, wants to be a missionary, and that's how God called him to the mission field. Because one day I was given a report, and Joshua, as a little boy, said, that is so true. If God can use my pathetic dad, how much? He probably didn't say pathetic. But he said, but he could use me. And that, that is so good to do, guys. I don't know if you do that as a family. Just take time to reflect on your past. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. Now, we don't want to sit in the past. We're going to get to the present and, and know about the future. But what we want to do is we want our children to see our past and how God's hand was in it and how he is loving kind forever, how he's involved with the details of our lives. I had a professor one time at seminary. He says, God is not involved with me stumbling. And I thought, man, what a terrible thought. My Bible says he knows when a little hair of mine falls to the ground. See, my God is involved with all the details of my past, and he's involved with the care of my present. Look at the present. He says it there in verse 23 to 25. He says, who remembered us? Look at the pronoun. Turn down to us, the reader, in our lowest state. And 24, and he has rescued us from our adversaries who gave us food, who, get, who gives food to all flesh. So I see God's care in the present. He gives food to all flesh. Do you give thanks for your food? Are you embarrassed to give thanks for your food? I remember Pastor Scott Nickel one time preaching, and he said this, and I thought, wow, that is so clever. He must have done that. <laughs> he says, are you embarrassed to thank God publicly? Are you that kind of Christian that drops a napkin at the restaurant, and when you bend over, you go, Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. I said, I have never thought of that. <laughs> he must have done that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But hopefully you are the type that says, I have no embarrassment to thank the God of the universe for food. You know what? One of the, the, the things, in, at least when I first got to Brazil, one of the biggest concerns of young ladies was in our state. One of the biggest concerns was to go hungry. I know it's hard for you guys to imagine the United States with all the food we have. But a young girl, she'll marry a guy. She doesn't care how he looks as long as he's got money to provide food, she'll marry him because she doesn't want to go hungry. God gives food, doesn't he? He gives us food. And it's just a daily reminder. It reminds me of when Jesus taught us to pray, he says, give us this day our daily bread. And when he does, we should do what? Give thanks with a grateful heart. With a grateful heart. The implication... For Israel and for us is that not only does God care for our past and for our present, but God cares for our what? Our future. Jehoshaphat believed that as he faced three major armies. Remember that in 2 Chronicles? And what's interesting in 2 Chronicles is Jehoshaphat quotes, for his loving kindness endures forever. See that? The psalm, boom, just caught into his mind and he said, these three armies are out there. They want to kill us. We're not big enough to whoop them. But our God is. And our God is so wonderful and powerful. What I'm going to do is I'm going to throw Levitical choir in front. So you guys that are playing, put Carrie in the front. Isn't that great, Carrie? <laughs> now what's, what's the strategy? What kind of gun do you have? The gun you have are your lungs. And you're going to come out and start walking towards these three major armies that want to just annihilate you. 
and you're going to sing praises and thankfulness to God. We thank you, Lord, God Almighty, and the little cha-cha-chas and you know, the little other things playing. I don't know how much, what instruments they had playing, but they had something going, and all of a sudden those three armies heard the praise, heard the gratefulness, and they killed each other. Figure that out. What was going on? Jehoshaphat knew that God had taken care of them in the past, knew that God was taking care of them in the present, and he said, I know God's going to take care of us in the future, and it's so sure that I want to give them thanks, and I'm going to show the whole world, praise God right now. And he did it, and the armies were destroyed. And the Bible says, if you go back, it took them three days to loot all the stuff they got off the bodies. That was a lot of stuff. It was amazing. Are you grateful to God for your past? How about your present? And how about the future? We have a lot to give thanks for. Just in, not in details of our lives, but just in God. Give thanks to God for what? For God. To conclude, I thought it would be interesting to hear about a life transformed by God. And that's Barbara. So Barbara's going to come up and share a testimony. And Crystal, my wife, is going to translate. Okay? But if you speak Portuguese, you can correct Crystal's Portuguese. Come on up. My name is Barbara. She wants to get a verse from her online Bible that she has here. <laughs> I'm going to read Philippians 3, 8. I consider everything but loss. Because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. My Lord. For whom I've suffered all things. Thank you. And I count them but rubbish. That I might gain Christ. I give all the thanks to God for the mercy that He has had in my life. For His grace and every detail that He has taken care of. Um, I have been thinking about the missionaries, the Johansons. and the influence of the testimony of their lives in my life. During um, when I was 18 years old, my life began to change. My family that I thought was so unified and strong, it began to fall apart. So I guess her parents had gone to church some, and they stopped going to church. I began to go to college, and we began to have lots of financial difficulties and other problems. And then my parents got divorced. Um, I lost everything that I had. Every one of us separated and went to all different places. Um, 
and during the time that they were going through the divorce and all this, I began to, um, oh, she said that I um, stopped walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I thought that he had forgotten about me. Um, it was about this time that I began to know the church that Pastor Roger was in. I began to go to Bible studies and to learn more about the word and how to live for God walking correctly, um, living correctly, and thinking correctly. (laughs) And how to seek God and to be strong in the word. And to see how much the Lord has done in my life. Um, and how much he done in my life um, through Pastor Roger. And who did not give up on me. And so I give much thanks to the Lord for what he has done. Thank you. Okay, that wasn't easy for her, was it? That's her first time doing that, I think. Let's close our eyes, bow our head. In this moment, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, I want you to reflect on your life. Is your life really characterized with gratefulness? Or are you a grumbling Christian? Are you one that always everybody else has everything and you don't? How is your gratefulness daily? If you find yourself not being that grateful person you ought, take a moment to ask God forgiveness. Realize that Christ recognizes the ungratefulness and is very disappointed in it. And take it serious. And start getting your focus on God, on his character, how good he is to you, his loving kindness, faithfulness, and your eternity with him. Lord God Almighty, I want to thank you for your character, for your goodness, your loving kindness, and how you have given us an eternity with you. Lord God, I thank you for your creation, allowing us to be involved with such a beautiful uh, world as you've given it to us, providing for us in the past and how we can see your hand in our lives, sovereignly working, and in the present and how you meet every need that we really have, and knowing that the future is in your hand, O Lord, we can, as the Proverbs woman could do, smile at the future. We can be confident, as Paul says, because we know in whom we believe. Lord God, help us as a body to be grateful and thankful and praise your name for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.